Talking Movies. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rod Sonny. I'm your other co-host, Sam. Thank you for joining us. Lots of trailers, lots of news, lots of exciting casting news this week. Uh, we'll obviously be talking about the fiasco surrounding <laughs> the Golden Globes also. But uh, let's let's start with some of those trailers, Sam, before we get into some of that craziness. And uh, Venom 2, let there be carnage I, I don't even know what the actual title is of the movie i just wrote venom trailer so um yeah it's the first look at the sort of follow-up to like i think the first one made close to a billion dollars right it, it was right around there which is why we're getting a second one who would have thought that sony could have roped in tom hardy and michelle williams into a venom universe that wasn't tied to spider-man and make more than one movie out of it and like i know that first movie had a lot of sort of mixed reactions in terms of some people liked how loopy and crazy it was. Some people thought it was just a CG disaster. I myself thought it was kind of a CG disaster, but you know, Andy Serkis coming in to helm the second one, uh, bring in Woody Harrelson. It looks like it kind of knows what it is now. Like it knows exactly what kind of loopy, crazy type of movie we're expecting from it. And I feel like the trailer sold me on, that part of it and i will say like i had zero interest in this movie before seeing this trailer and i'm actually kind of interested in it after seeing this one yeah i'm in the same boat as you in the first one just because of the fact that as you said it's like a cgi mess the they didn't take itself very seriously i just felt like tom hardy could do better like i wish you, i wish you would have chosen a different project i'm getting the same exact vibes from the second movie from the, from the second trailer for the second movie first trailer from the second movie and yeah. you know i think rudy harrelson is, is a fantastic actor in his own right and it's, i just wished like i was i remember like there was like a, a a photo that came out like a like a an outtake of him wearing like this guy fieri kind of outfit <laughs> out in like new york or wherever it is that they're mm. shooting and it just looks ridiculous mm. and um this trailer just feels like the same kind of movie that we got from the first one and this one didn't really convince me at all as if if i want to watch it or not okay i i I get what you're saying. Like, it does seem like it's going down a similar route, but it feels like more self-aware. Like, it doesn't seem like it's, like, being super serious. And the first one, I guess, was, like, kind of a mix of, like, there were stuff that, like, felt really serious and there was stuff that felt, like, super goofy. And it, and it was, like, kind of those inner monologues with Tom Hardy and, and Venom. And, like, this trailer really honed in on that, right? Like, when they're in the uh, shop at the end and, it's like, he's, like, saying, like, I'm going to eat the, the lady who's running the shop. And Tom Hardy's like, no, you can't eat her. Like, it feels like it's leaning more into the comedy. And that's not to say the comedy's necessarily going to work or hit or land. But, like, I don't know. Like, did you see... um God, what was that movie called? Was it Mowgli? Uh, Andy Circus's directorial debut. I think that it's was on, on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. They didn't like watch it, that one, but it was. It came out like right after that Jungle Book that Disney put out. So like, I think a lot of people just didn't watch it. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. It was a good movie. It was pretty good. Um, well made, a much darker retelling of the Jungle Book. So like, I guess I have a little bit of faith in Andy Circus as a director. I do find it weird that this is like his second project that he's doing, but like, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying this is gonna be a good movie by any means. Uh, but I guess the trailer got me a little bit more interested than I was, but it sounds like it didn't do that for you. And yeah, well, I, like with Andy, the, Woody Harrelson, like remember he had like the clown looking wig, like at least it yeah. was, like, fix that at least. Like he looks a little bit different, a little bit more tame 
in this trailer than well if, well andy circus is a veteran of the industry i'm i respect him highly he's like he should have won like you know five oscars at this point because of how mm-hmm. incredible he is with his uh with his motion capture and mm-hmm. you know his stunt work and all that and you know um i'm taking your word for it like i haven't seen mowgli i i, I think he got mixed reviews when it came out but you know andy circus is ta- like this then everyone involved in the process like woody harrelson tom uh, tom hardy uh andy circus michelle williams resident Metal was in this was in the last movie like everyone involved <laughs> in this in the process of these movies are all very talented individuals mm. that i don't mind and you know with the infrastructure that sony has like sony is a huge movie making company uh it's possible like i've i've eaten my own words on this podcast several times already like most recently with mortal kombat like i enjoyed mortal kombat even though i was trashing the trailer but it's possible i could like it but based on this um first trailer for the second movie i'm not really convinced okay it's hitting what theaters later this year i believe september october so uh, i'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to that date uh let's get into a trailer that i'm sure we'll both probably be a little bit more enthusiastic for we got our second look at the green knight the dave uh, dev patel um david lowry project that's a24 is releasing sort of a spin-off tale of uh, king arthur i believe i'm not too familiar with the source material itself but that's my understanding of where the green knight story comes from um the first trailer we both like raved about it was very atmospheric and really gave us a good look at sort of what dev patel was doing with this role um this trailer was a little bit more story heavy and it was pretty different tonally i think from the first trailer so i guess i'll ask you like where did this sway you one way or another did it sell you more or like are you kind of already sold on this part like what did this trailer actually do for you in terms of like how excited you are for this movie i was sold when the first trailer came out i've been continuing to be sold during like the like the outtakes and like the the posters that have come out recently with this trailer i'm this is probably like my most anticipated movie of the year because this is it's just so visually striking and i saw you see you're not very familiar with that i'm kind of familiar with it because of a thread i read on twitter i'm not i'm not saying it's credible <laughs> because it's on twitter but yeah. uh it's you know it is based on an arthurian story one of the more well-known ones from the 14th century the the author is unknown but it's it's called sir gawain and the green knight and you know when I was reading the thread, I was like, this this can't be real. This sounds ridiculous. So I looked it up. I saw on Wikipedia. Wikipedia is another, another thing that's not credible at all. So I went, out, went, out, went deeper and I found like these several like um, pieces of information that like this is a legit story that was made from the 14th century about King Arthur and, you know, the people are, are revolved around him. And there's two actually two movies already based on this um, source material um, from 1973 and 1984. But when I was reading the thread, I was like, you know what? This is the most A24 medieval story that could possibly pop up. <laughs> so I think it's just a match made in heaven. I th- and then the, the cinematography mm-hmm. for this, like the colors, the way they pop off the screen, like the reds and the greens and the yellows that they use for various aspects of the of the scenes that they put out there, they just look fantastic. I'm glad you brought up the aspect of it being a very A24 story <laughs> and also the look and feel of it. Because like the trailer also got me thinking, like this looks like sort of, big budget for a24 like i don't think we've seen something quite on this scale yes before maybe yeah ex machina being the next up and that was about a 15 million dollar budget i don't actually know what the budget is on this one are you at all concerned though because a24 is distributing it and i'm sure they had some produ- producerial efforts but like braun was also on it braun uh recently produced like the way back and uh judas and the black messiah so like they have other financiers on this mm-hmm. but like is there any concern that an a24 bigger budget project could maybe like lack in the cg department mm, 
I'm not no, I'm not too worried about that just because it is A24 and they are very smart in the way they execute their movies. I'm just glad that they're putting their like you know right foot forward and is that is that a, is that a phrase is that a term people say? Yeah, I think so. Or, so in like in regards to just you know making a movie with a huge budget attached to it as opposed to making a much more contained and very indie feel movie as it as they have in the past but do you want to do you want to know what the story is about or should I, are you gonna wait for like i'm gonna wait to i'm gonna wait. i know okay. that he's like king arthur's nephew and that's about all i really know about the story and like i mean what this trailer told me at least about the story is that he's sort of challenged to something and he has a year sort of gap in terms of when he has to go reface this green knight and he goes on this sort of long expedition this long adventure to gain some sort of respect from somebody is how i interpreted it i guess i'll wait and see what the actual story ends up being you're you're really close you don't want me to tell you uh no let's let's okay. wait I'll, you're, I'll, you're really close because i i'm also anticipating this like you said this is one of your most anticipated movies of the year it definitely is for me as well um i'm excited to see Dev patel you know stretch another muscle that we haven't quite seen from him i don't think like in this regard, I know he's done a couple like sort of grittier things as of late, but I don't think he's done anything quite to this scale in terms of grit. So I'm excited to see him stretch that muscle. And David Lowry, I mean, like that guy is just a master. He, you know, a ghost I still story, haven't, I still haven't seen a ghost story. A ghost story is a masterpiece. It is an absolute masterpiece. I love it to pieces. Uh, the old man and the gun was in my top. Oh yeah, that came yeah. out. That's a and, fun movie. And like when you want to look at like sort of what he can do with not small budget, but more limited budget. Um, he did Pete's Dragon, the live action remake that Disney did a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's not small budget because it is a Disney production, but it's much smaller scale than any of Disney's other live action remakes. And what he did with the dragon, it looks and feels pretty good. So I trust the CG in his hands, like with the smaller budget and this project. I, I want David Lowry to like get something big and i don't know if he's the kind of director that will do something big like from all of the stuff that he's shown us in the past like it feels like he's just more into the indie feel stuff um because even peace dragon was a pretty independent feeling movie although it had a giant cg dragon in it but <laughs> like this i mean this feels like, exactly what you said like this feels like such an a24 movie and you and i are such big a24 fans that i think that's like a positive in that movie's direction not a negative by any means uh, do you have any closing thoughts on the trailer though um, no, I mean, I mean, it looks great, and I'm really excited for it. I'm just really glad that they put out more uh, content for it, because it was supposed to come out last year, wasn't it? Yeah, like a year ago, a full year ago. I think it was like May of 2020, and now it's July of 2021 in theaters still. So they're at least giving us crumbs. Right, right. And we, have, <laughs> we haven't seen anything since that first trailer, I don't think. Yeah. No, well the, well, the posters and, like, the some some outtakes from, from right. the actual shooting of it. Right, but it was all recent, too. Like, we had we yeah. almost yeah. a whole year before the new promotional material comes out. So, yeah, I, I, this might be one of the first movies I see when I go back to the theater. So I'm really excited about that experience. Um, casting news. Casting news. Pretty exciting casting news. Deadline and Hollywood Reporter breaking some scoops this week. Janelle Monae, uh, Edward Norton, and Dave Batista have been announced as the first three members of the Knives Out 2 cast. Um, the movie's supposed to be filming in Greece this summer, so it's going to be set overseas, not going to be set in the U.S., sort of similar to the original Knives Out, but Ryan Johnson is writing, directing this sequel. Obviously, it's going to be part of three now, we found out, as part of that Netflix deal. Netflix is going to be putting this movie out whenever it does come. Um, I don't know. Like, when we got the casting for the original Knives Out, like, you know, it was Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans, um, Daniel Craig, Lakeith Stanfield, like, that, those were all get-out-of-my-seat casting. And I like these three actors, uh, Janelle Monae, Edward Norton, and Dave Bautista. But these names don't really get me out of my seat the way that, like, Christopher Plummer, even, uh, Anna de Armas, like, so many 
good actors in that first one. I like all these guys, but like, I don't know. It feels like a bit of a step down, if you ask me. Yeah, because I feel like most recently, Edward Norton, I think his last movie was freaking Birdman, the most well-known one, at least. I know he's mm. put out that with the Mother of Brooklyn or something. That yeah, no Mother, Motherless Brooklyn. The one that he directed, right? He, he directed, yeah, he directed hey, that hey, one. Hey. So I think it's because of the fact that they, they've been, mostly been playing like side characters up until this point. I know Janelle had a movie that came out last year, Antebellum, or was it supposed to come oh, out this year? Oh, yeah, I forgot about Antebellum. I think it came out last year and it bombed. Yeah, so that I mean, so I mean, Edward Norton and Dave Bautista know how to play very eccentric characters. We've seen them with like you know Birdman and Hulk, and you know, and we've seen Dave Bautista in like Blade Runner and um, what's it, Drax in Guardians right. of the Galaxy. Right, but right. Janelle Monae is kind of the one that's kind of iffy for me because I've seen her in Moonlight, I've seen her in Hidden Figures. You know, she's playing very real people or like you know people that feel like real people in real life, and I haven't seen her play like a character that feels like someone that would you know, melt mm. into the uh, the Knives Out universe, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I'm still waiting on that you know, Joseph Gordon-Levin announcement. But, I mean, these are all mm. talented actors. And I know that Ryan Johnson knows what he's doing. I, I trust that guy with my life. So I, I want him to bring more people from, like, Star Wars over because it seemed like he had such a good experience and such a good relationship with those cast. Like, and, like, I know John Boyega's pretty busy, but, like, I, I don't know if Oscar Isaac has a whole lot of projects on his docket right now. Daisy really doesn't really have a whole lot on her docket right now. Like, even Andy Serkis, like, outside of directing Venom, I don't know if he's really acting in a whole lot um, outside the Batman. Like, can he, I want to see him bring some of those, like, actors that we're familiar with him working with. Like, you mentioned Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I would love to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt show up in this. If he's not in this one, he's going to be the third one, guaranteed. I don't think there's a doubt about it's that. It's been too long. It really has. What Looper was the last one, right? Yeah, Looper. Twelve, so almost ten years now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like Edward Norton and Batista. Yeah, I think of these three, Batista is the one that excites me the most, just because like his filmography is so cool. Like when you look at it, like he's got that Zack Snyder movie coming out, Army of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Like next week, right? I think. Or in I think the embargo lifted on that too. Right. I was. Uh, I forgot to read the review. I, I saw something about the humor being good, but outside of that, I haven't seen anything. But I've not been on Twitter as much as I as I should have been. Uh, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> so, but uh, the humor is good on that one. But outside of that, I didn't really see much. Okay, and that, that, I mean, like you you said, like he plays eccentric characters. Yeah, Drax is like hilarious, and I guess <laughs> in the Denis movies, we haven't seen him what he's gonna do in Dune. But uh, yeah, I guess he's a little bit more serious in Blade Runner but like we know that he can sort of handle the humor and I just feel like he's got such an interesting sort of career trajectory so he's like the name that I'm most excited about this even movie. even with WWE he was acting in WWE right so. yeah yeah that's a good point that's why some some of those like act or some of those guys that have come over from WWE have like hit it so big like The Rock and John Cena and what right right it's a testament to like sort of what he's done and really like the work that he's put into becoming the actor that he is. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know, I need, I think I need more and I'm going to see Knives Out too, especially if it's on Netflix. Like I'm obviously going to see it, but like out of these, do we know who's the main character? No, I don't think there's any sort of like news in terms of who is who. And like, even like, I mean, we thought that Daniel Craig was going to be like the quote unquote lead of Knives Out, but it really ended up being Anna de Armas. So like that was kind of a spin on what we were expecting. Oh yeah. Completely forgot about the fact that it's going to be like a Benoit Blanc Right, right. Is it going to be a trilogy? Yeah, so Daniel Craig is, is part of this cast. Um, okay. That is a trilogy, so it is carrying on the Benoit Blanc legacy, I guess. So he is part of these names, and that obviously gets me excited because he was so good in Knives Out. That's so funny. He's like a – his name is Benoit Blanc, a French-ass name with a mm. – what's, what's, what's it called? A Kentucky, like, Kentucky yeah, Fried Chicken accent? Yeah, Kentucky Fried accent <laughs> or whatever, yeah. Uh, I I need to rewatch Knives Out. That's It's such a good movie. It, it's absolutely brilliant. And I know, like – 
Ryan's going to bring that same level of like writing and wit and whatnot to the sequel. But like, I don't know, I guess I'm just like, my expectations are so high because, because of the cast of the first one. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone, fe- everyone in the first one feels like a main character, like Jimmy Lee Curtis, Tony mm-hmm. Collette, uh, Daniel Craig, Michael Shannon, like they're, these, yeah. all these, all these actors feel like main characters. And I think that's why right. it felt so huge. But these ones, as I've said recently, haven't been playing the, the lead role in their movies as of yet. That's a good point. Yeah. So maybe he'll sort of lift them up to that caliber maybe with this one. Um, maybe let's talk about what's going on with the golden globes because that's (laughs) been you know it kind of started before the globes even hit this year and we didn't really talk about that much because we didn't think much was going to come of it and then in the past you know week two weeks or so there's just been this absolute madness like out of control spiral so like before the globes happened this year there was the controversy that sort of emerged that of the 80 to 85 members that are in the HFPA, Hollywood Foreign Press, um, Hollywood Foreign Press is the international journalists that basically vote on the Golden Globes. It's a group of 80 to 85 people, and they're the sole sort of responsible voters for who gets nominated and who wins at the Golden Globes. So we discovered, and they're all international. They're, they're None of them are American. They're all from different parts of the world. But like, we found out that there's no black members of the HFPA and people were not happy about that um, as to be expected. Uh, and so that sort of caused a bit of a fallout. Um, you know, the HFPA president and a couple of the board members came out on stage during the ceremony and made the statement about how they're going to do better. Um, they had this sort of plan in place where they were going to announce new initiatives to get more diverse and inclusive membership. And people were not so thrilled with I think the announcement that they made, the plan that they put in place, mm-hmm. um, and it's more just there. People are looking for the HFPA to do, not necessarily say. So it's not like a hundred percent falling out. It's more organizations are kind of stepping back from the HFPA and taking us making their distance between the organization until the these action plans are actually put in place by the HFPA and we see tangible results. So like. Tom Cruise returned all three of his Golden Globe statues that he won back in the 80s and 90s because he that's his sort of form of protesting. Netflix and Neon um, are two of the big studios. Neon, obviously, Parasite, Netflix, a number of movies um, that have competed in the Globes. Like They distanced themselves and they said they're not going to be competing or uh, campaigning with the HFPA next year. And it sort of all came together, culminated with NBC canceling the televised ceremony, the 2022 televised ceremony. So next year there will not be a televised ceremony, at least not with NBC. I imagine there's not going to be one at all for the Golden Globe saying that we hope in 2023, we can bring it back with more inclusive membership. Um, But I mean, this is just kind of like, it spiraled in a really, really drastic and crazy way and not a way that I think I could have predicted. Like, what was your sort of take on all of this? Well, I'm going to reference a lot of points from the Ringer article that I read from Miles Surrey about this entire situation. And, you know, when I first, before I read the article, before when I saw the headline being that NBC is going to cancel the Golden Globes because of inclusivity issues, like, you know, I was going to say, like, you know, it kind of makes sense because, you know, after what happened this year, like, you know, like the ratings were at an all-time low, the the way that their vote is very weird like the requirements like a minority one best foreign film even though it was an american movie you know and the way that there's various ethics issues with how the hfpa handles like the voting process like you know outside of like the inclusivity issues um most recently they were flown out to 
um, the set of Emily in Paris, like a bunch of the journalists, and then you know people were clamoring about why was Emily in Paris. Even like the people who made Emily in Paris were saying why was Emily in <laughs> Paris nominated over a show that was as lauded as I made a story on HBO. And you know, up until this point, like, you gotta ask yourself, what do the Golden Globes offer the in- industry outside of getting the fun drunk speech every now and again, because of how you know the their format is every year as opposed to this year because of the coronavirus pandemic. And you know, I think this is a good opportunity for people like to step back and say, you know, the requirements for movies are really weird for the HFPA. The way that they vote is really weird. The fact that they have no black members is a huge, you know damning thing about the way that they they conduct themselves as an organization and like it just feels like an empty gesture saying hey we're going to do better like you know at this point even the oscars and like you know various organizations have gone out of their way of saying hey the stuff that you know black people went through in this country and around the world or something that to be acknowledged and you know being the process of inclusion is something that's very important because you know we got to put their um their perspectives and stories outright but the fact that the Golden Globes, who knows if they would have even done this if they weren't, you know, um, uh, was it exposed okay. by the exposed yeah. by the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Times for their investigation? Yeah. You know, it just feels very empty at this point. So I think this is an opportunity for us to like step back and say, maybe we don't really need the Globes. Like really, they just offer like a kicking off point for the award season. But, you know, in place of the Globes, you can probably put the spotlight on a much more deserving award ceremony. Like say maybe the Indie Spirit Awards, they give lesser known titles they're due. And like they have very, it's like a very fun, very casual, you know, award ceremony. I'll give it to the SAG Awards because they actually have overlap with the Oscars. Like the HFPA has no say in who gets voted for the Oscars for that year. Like there's, right. there's, there's no overlap. They're just international journalists that just pick their favorite movies and, you know, get the credit for it. And, you know, NBC had like, um, I think the article said, uh, it's, it, it, the, the ceremony cost NBC $60 million a year. Yeah. And they, their contract was supposed to go through 2026. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, you know, NBC is losing a lot, but the fact that they're, you know, distancing themselves as much as they have with this announcement goes to show how serious this issue is. Right. And what I want to see NBC do now with that sort of statement, it's obviously, like you're saying, an incredible testament to them to say, like, we're going to take this financial hit. Um, Put a spotlight on the people that you want to sort of get that, like, you know, next year when this time comes around, do a, like, quote unquote, special spotlight on, on, you know, diverse and inclusive filmmakers that are in the running for the Oscars and do like a one one to two hour show where you're spotlighting their movies or like you said, like independent film. I want to see NBC sort of take that next step and do something cool like that to sort of like, you know, round out the decision here that they made because they now do have that empty spot what are they going to do with it next year when the when the globes are supposed to happen do something meaningful and useful with it um i don't know it's like it is sort of a mixed perspective because like hollywood loves the globes like as much as critics and journalists bash on the globes hollywood loves to go and get drunk and celebrate Mm -hmm. each other like they, they have fun at the globes they're not you know, they're not just going to say like the Globes are stupid because they do enjoy the Globes. And I think anybody likes to win a nice shiny award for the work that they've done. And, you know, we got to see um, Lee Isaac Chung accept and make a speech at the Globes, although his film was in the foreign film category, like we got to see him make a speech. So there is, I think, a lot of use to the Globes. And I think 
I don't want to lose it from award season. Like it hmm. is a pretty pivotal point in the award season, but I do agree that change does need to be made. I understand the argument that this is a small body and that it is international people. So, you know, you're not going to get necessarily black people from India, for example, to represent that membership body, but there are black people all over the world. And the fact that there's not a single one in this group of voters is kind of insane to me yeah so like it is it is a mixed bag i guess my feelings towards this entire thing are a mixed bag i'm not anti-globes like everybody else is i <laughs> i like the globes it is a sort of fun kickoff point to the award season and while it might not have any bearing on the oscars themselves it's still i i will take any opportunity to see these creators go up there accept awards and celebrate in whatever whatever way they're given and i'm sure the creators feel the same way and that's why like it's meaningful to have like Netflix and neon be a part of this is because like they're the people that are there accepting the awards and they're saying, we're going to take a step back as well. Like similar to what you were saying about NBC to see the creator sort of take that step back and say like, do the things that you need to do. And then we'll come back. Like it's not outright. They're not canceled. The golden globes are not quote unquote. Right. 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 It's just like, we're going to step back, let you do your thing and hopefully you will correct it. So we can come back and can maintain that relationship with you guys. So I guess that's what I'm hoping happens is the globes, HFPA makes that change and we can kind of go back to normalcy in 2023, but you know, without the globes now in 2022, next year's award season is going to feel a little weird again. Like after this year's award season felt really weird. Next year's is going to feel weird again. So I think we just need to be maybe prepared for it. I I think this might be something that could probably snowball into like the fact that there's a lot of, weird going on with the golden globes and the way that they vote and the way that their requirements are set up for movies like you know with the fact that uh was it get out was put in comedy that yeah. was a big one that would happen in, well that's know, actually submitted by the studios i think it's not actually decided by the hfpa mm, okay well yeah. with that but like you know weird nominations every year weird wins every year and the way that you know minari this year won foreign language there's like a lot of, and plus with the ethics issue i put out with the fact that you know people are pretty much buying votes with how they're treating like these journals and like flying them out and buying them gifts and all that (laughs) there's a lot of ways that they could improve their governing body you know outside of just the inclusivity issue that that, that's happening you know with the headline that came out this week agreed agreed 100 percent um i hope like i said they correct it it's funny you bring up the emily in paris thing because i remember when the globes nominations came out a friend texted me and they were like, why did Emily, I hated that show. Like, why did Emily and Paris get all these nominations? And I literally just screenshotted the Variety article that was like, that talked about the, or the LA Times or whoever released that original article about the fact that the HFPA was all flown out to Paris yep. on the set. Like I just screenshotted that headline and sent it to them. And they were like, okay, I get it now. Um, but yeah, let's, let's hope for the best. Let's really hope for the best. Cause I don't want to lose the Globes and the award circuit, but uh, we won't have it next year. So we'll see how that shapes out. Let's go ahead and get into reviews. Now, Sam, start us off. Reviews this week is just basically reviews. Every week is just basically an anime corner at this point. It's yeah. Cause you, I mean that for you, I think that was a pretty regular thing and I'm, yeah. I'm catching up on so much stuff. That, Cause I like, I got in the mood of it. Like when we started doing those binges Naruto. last summer, yeah. When we got when we started those binges last summer, I just got in the mood and I was like, there's so much that I haven't watched in that sort of gap where I wasn't watching it that I have a lot to catch up on. So that's, yeah, it's a lot of what I've been watching too. So, I mean, I didn't get much to watch this week. I've been focusing on crypto, you know, reading a lot of articles on crypto, spending <laughs> too much time on social media and you know, <laughs> spending too much time in the gym. But I, get, I did get a chance to watch a movie last night. It's a movie that we've both been talking about and watching for the longest time. Pretty, I guess you could say fairly popular within the anime 
anime community. I saw I went to your pancreas, and you know, people are talking about this movie in the, in the same regard as they talk about a silent voice or right. your name or so, movies movies that are from anime that make you cry. Right. And you know, and it has a pretty solid score on my anime list. You know, it has an eight point five nine, which is pretty high. And you know, people that have been talking about I, I've talked to about this movie. I've you know talking about it pretty you know in a positive light. And, you know, I'm kind of disappointed because I, wa- I wanted to enjoy this movie. Like, I, I made my bucket of popcorn. I sat down for once and, you know, just turned all the lights off. It was just me, my TV, and my popcorn. My phone was off. You know, I was, like, pretty much tuned in to watch, like, a good, you know, well, well-received well anime movie that I haven't in a long time. And, you know, I was, I was pretty disappointed because I couldn't really, you know, get into the story because I kind of found it a bit mundane. You know, at a um at its core, it feels like you know a movie that it's kind of a tearjerker, but it doesn't feel like it's gonna it's pushing for those tearjerking moments. It kind of feels very natural to it, but for some reason, when I was watching this movie, instead of paying attention to what was going on, my mind just drifted. Like by me saying, like, what would I do in this situation? What would happen if this happened to me, or did this happen to somebody I knew? How would I react? Would I react in the same regard as the as the main character? And I would have to rewind several times because I was getting into my own headspace and I wasn't really attuned to the movie. And I kind of felt like it was just, I don't know what, I, it didn't really feel like it, as emotionally intense as I wanted it to be. And I kind of disappointed because I, I went in wanting to enjoy this movie. And, you know, it's it's solid. Like I, I can definitely see why people love this movie so much. And I, I think that maybe when you get to watch it, you'll enjoy it much more than I did. But for some reason, this movie just didn't hit for me. It's funny to hear you say that because that's kind of what you were saying about the first time you saw a Silent Voice. Too, yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And this was your first time watching this. But movie. but this time I was like I was awake. Like I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> sleep. I wasn't sleepy. I was in a pretty good mood. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to sit down and watch a good movie. But you know, and I was like, you know, you know, everything was going well. Like I was at the right in the state of mind to watch a movie. Okay. For some reason, it's just, it's, it didn't hit. Um, and, and like you said that it's not really like going for the tears, right? Like it's not like reaching for the tears, like. Is it something where, like, and maybe this um, this probably doesn't apply to you, but you can see why other viewers, like, was it something where, like, it was kind of a build-up and a big gut punch at the end? Or yes, what? yes. Okay. Yes, that's okay. what it was, exactly. Okay. Because, like, the first two acts feel very, very, like, you know, mm-hmm. it just takes its time. It, it's paced very slowly. Mm-hmm. You're just watching these two characters just get to know each other through the first two acts. Mm-hmm. And the third act happens, you know, something huge happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the gut punch happens. You know, I, I was like, I, I feel like, you know, if I was into this movie, if I was if I was as attuned to it as everybody else was, mm-hmm. this is the moment that would have made me cry. But I I didn't really feel anything. I was like, you know what? And even the ending, I just felt like the ending was very abrupt. Hmm. Interesting. And it's a love story, technically, right? <sighs> you could call it that. Yes, I would say yes. Okay. I yeah, I'm bummed to hear you say all that because I'm I, bummed too. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking forward to watching this one, and I, I've just been waiting to find it because it's not available really to stream it. Yeah, I I streamed it illegally. Yeah, so like I'm 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 hoping I can get around to watching it soon, but like I I've been really anticipating this one because like I've heard you talk it up, I've heard multiple people talk it up, and, and I know there's like a live action version as well, and people that one's pretty well received actually. It's a Japanese obviously live action remake, but like all the sort of things that I've heard about the, the manga, the anime and the live action version of this story is been positive. So you're actually the first one that I could just be me, man. Could just Uh, be me. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe on that second watch, similar to a silent voice, it might hit you a little bit harder. I don't really know. um, Cause the circumstances, I guess were a little bit different for when you watch that one to when you watch this one, but like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll have to wait and see when I watch it. Cause 
it's I've been watching a lot of sort of like romance and tearjerker anime specifically recently. So like I'm I'm even more disappointed to hear that because like is it even going to come close to the stuff that I've been watching? And if it doesn't, then like I'm be really bummed out about. Well, it's, that. it's a pretty consistent trend because when I watched Your Name in theaters, like you know I I got out. I was like you know I like this movie. It's pretty good. You know I wasn't like over the moon right. for it. But then when I bought it and like I'm on on Blu-ray and I put it into my uh my player on yeah. my, at home, uh-huh. it was a completely different experience. Like it felt I, way more intimate and you know I wasn't. I have a theory. To it. I have a theory about your name. I think that first that first watch is never what you want it to be. It's, we talked about like rewatching movies so much on this podcast, <laughs> but like for some, there's something about your name because the same thing with me. Like my obsession with it didn't. I absolutely loved it the first time I saw it. Like we both put it on our top 25 movies of the decade or whatever. Yeah. But it was really that second watch, and I watched it after making that decade list for the second time. I hadn't seen it in five years or whatever, four years. Um, uh-huh. and like that second watch really sort of hit me in a completely different way. I actually showed it to my dad this week. <laughs> I made my dad sit down and watch your name this week. I don't know if he really received it that well. Cause I think it, he wasn't attuned to the subtitle part of it, but what was the theory? Uh, I just meant like the theory <laughs> of that second watch being oh, okay. That, that for some reason, that emotional gut punch of that second watch. I like, just feel like maybe it's because of the movie itself, mm. but like this, like, like you know, with Miyazaki movies, they're not the same experience as you watch it in theaters as you watch it at home because yeah. at home is like, it feels like it's a one-on-one experience as opposed to the theater, and that's what it feels like for your name. Mm-hmm. It, with a silent voice for me, I was just really tired and I kind of fell asleep through it. Right. But with this one, you know, I'm at home. I'm mm-hmm. watching an intimate movie by myself with a bu- bucket of popcorn, you know, in a good state of mind. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't hit. So is, I don't know what it is. Is it like meandering? Like, is it long? Yes, it, it feels like it's meandering. Yeah, that's a good okay. word for it. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I wouldn't expect that because I feel like animated movies more often than not are, are on the shorter end and they don't really like, I, I mean, talking about your an hour, An hour 48 minutes. Okay, that is about the same. I think your name is about an hour 45, if, give or take a couple minutes here or there. And like when I think of a movie like your name, um, and I'm only drawing this comparison just because, like you said, like a lot of people sort of put it in the same conversations in terms of the quality of it. Mm-hmm. Like, especially as many times as I've rewatched your name in the past, you know, few months to year, like there's not a wasted scene in your name. Every single yes. scene matters. Yeah. Every single scene is important. Every line of dialogue is important to that, mo- to that movie. Well, it just for this movie, it, just, it was just these two characters talking in different mm-hmm. circumstances. Okay. Do, like when, when you say like talking, does it have like a before sunrise, before sunset feel to it at least? Like the chemistry and whatnot of the characters. You, you, yeah, I guess like that, but not as you know, well written. Not as compelling. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm disappointed to hear that, but I, I will watch it eventually, and maybe we can talk about it more in depth. Hopefully, yeah. I, I think it's just me, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and get into my reviews. Then um, I'll start with the live action movie that I watched. It's called No Roid the Curse. Um, it's kind of like a mockumentary documentary type you remember lake bungo we talked about that a while back you watched it and i've yeah, seen it a yeah. few times um yeah it, it's kind of got that feel to it um and i saw a lot of comparisons i was looking for some good j-horror um so i i people had compared this one to lake mungo in terms of the style and whatnot but i was kind of disappointed with it. it it really didn't live up to lake mungo i'd say it's a skip uh it was it's like it's very low budget and you, you just feel it like the shaky cam is like, it gives you a headache. It's, it's not really all that interesting. There's like this stuff tied into it, conspiracies and whatnot. I just didn't, I was never sold on this movie and it wasn't creepy at all. Like it didn't get to me. It didn't make me feel uncomfortable or, wasn't chilling or anything like that. Like I, it, it, nothing really about this movie worked for me. I'm starting to notice a trend now with your J horror experiences that none of them are hitting as you wanted them to. Yeah, it's surprising because, like, I mean, something like Audition, which we talked about plenty, like that. I love that movie. And oh yeah, I, I, 
the first time I saw it was just like you know I didn't really like it much, but since I've you know sat on it, I've I've I love that movie. Right, and maybe it's like the supernatural stuff in Japan is very different than the supernatural maybe. stuff I experience here and whatnot. But like, yeah, for some reason, the past three or four things that I've watched have not done well for me, and these are like critically acclaimed. Over, did you watch the original Grudge? Yeah, that was the one I talked about like two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Which I don't know if I talked about it or not, but I did like it. I actually okay. liked that the most of the stuff that I watched recently, but it was just like, I, and I liked it much more than the American version. I didn't, I don't like the American version of that movie, but um, it still wasn't like exceptional by any means. So I guess it's safe to say that K-Horror is where it's at. In yeah, Asia. I mean, if you think about like Train to Busan and The Wailing and whatnot, like it's not even close in terms of the, the disparity of quality. And mm. we still have like a lot of catching up to do, I think, on, on Korean horror films. Um, right, right. And and I guess Korean, it's like a mix of horror and thriller and whatnot, whereas these Japanese movies that I've been watching are pretty strictly like supernatural horror right. based. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it it didn't quite hit for me, which which I, I was pretty bummed about. But I'm well, still looking. I'm still looking for. for I'll just story. yeah. I'm just gonna wait for you to say which one to watch until I watch one. I'll of them. tell you. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll recommend to you. I, I might just rewatch The Wailing at this point. <laughs> I, I'm kind of interested in rewatching that one. Um, but I did watch Kaguya-sama season two, just as good as season one. I think I, I raved about season one last week, and I was just as sold on season two. I'm still like, you know. I guess minor spoilers for the end of season two, but like there's still no conclusion. No, yeah, they're going to continue it. It's still ongoing. Uh, Do you know how long it's supposed to be? Because I know season three is coming out soon this year. I have no clue. I have no idea. I mean, I've the only the only reason I would read manga. I've told you this. I think off here. I don't know if I've said it on here. Yeah. Is like if someone spoils something huge for me. (laughs) So most most recently, I got a huge spoiler for Jujutsu Kaisen, and I'm starting to read that now. Right. I'm just like I've been avoiding stuff now because uh, I'm. I'm starting to see like you were talking about like a lot of the like spoilers are showing up in your Instagram and whatnot. I'm starting to see a lot of anime stuff fill into my Instagram as well because I'm following like tattoo artists and stuff. Right. So like I'm I'm being very cautious now about the way that I explore social media because I am avoiding. Some well, I mean, Instagram has a pretty good algorithm. Like if you, if you go through the discover page and you go on to like one of the suggested posts and you like it, you're gonna get more of that post or more okay. styles of that post. Okay. So. I'll, just not like it yeah I'll avoid if, you, if you long press mm. you can get like a like a little pop-up menu that says not right. interested you can just click that and you'll get less uh, of it okay interesting i might try that then because i don't want to be spoiled on something <laughs> jujutsu kaisen i'm not as concerned about being spoiled on but like obviously titan being the big one and there's some like demon slayer i think at this point if you haven't been spoiled by titan or demon slayer i think you're good okay i hope so because we don't have uh, we still have like a few months before that final season of titan airs, so i'm still like i'm very cautiously like exploring the internet and whatnot um, but the last thing that I watched this week is uh, Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Have you seen? Have you seen this one? <laughs> I want to eat your pancreas. <laughs> Anime titles are so weird, man. Yeah, I, I saw this one. Yeah, I've seen you did it. see this one. Okay, I love this series. I thought it was excellent. Um, it was not what I was expecting, actually. I don't want to spoil too much, but it has like a, it has a supernatural, fantastical element. To yes, it. I didn't know that. I didn't know that going in. I kind of went in pretty blind. And uh, that really surprised me. And at first I was a little bit put off by it in the first like two episodes or so, but then it really, really grew on me. And like the core relationship in this series, like the sort of chemistry of those two characters, I can think of few sort of animated relationships that 
land the chemistry as well as this series. I really, really bought into both those characters. They're both really likable. Um, they just play off each other well. The humor is good. Um, it has some gut punching moments at the end of the series. Like it's only 13 episodes, so it's pretty short and easy to watch. Um, I was not necessarily in, expecting to enjoy the series as much as I was. I was just looking for something that was short and that kind of fit that romance genre that I was looking for. And I was pretty pleasantly surprised by this one. I don't know where you stand on it. I need to rewatch it because, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's not complicated, but there's a lot going on with regards to the way that the yeah. plot devolves yeah, yeah. with like each character, like the, you have thing. to pay attention. It's not like yes. you turn your brain off and so, yeah, like it really isn't. Cause there's a lot of dialogue in this, in the show. Like, and right. you know, I was pretty, you know, from the beginning of, from the first episode to, I guess you could say the trauma of his sister. I was, you mm. know, pretty into it. Like the show is very whimsical. It's very endearing. It has a, it has a, like, it has a heart to it, but you know, when it, when the fr- last few episodes focused on Sakuta, it lost me. I forget how the show ends, and I need to rewatch it. But I enjoyed it from from what I remember. Okay, it, it, I think the ending is really well, and it sort of ties most of the loose threads. I understand there's a movie as well, which kind of closes out the story in a little bit more. Sort I of. heard the movie is is confusing as hell. Oh really? Okay, because yes. I've heard the movie's good. Like I've heard, I was reading good things about the movie, so I do want to seek it out. So like between that and because that's not that's also not streaming anywhere. I think it was like on Funimation for like a couple of days. <sighs> None of these shows in stream. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting annoyed because like I'm even willing to rent all this stuff and like I can't. Yes, I'm saying like it's not even like I need it on Crunchyroll or anything like that, but I can't even do that and it's getting kind of frustrating. But I, I want to check out the movie so I can kind of complete the story. And I've been watching like the movies after, like I watched the Anahana movie after watching that series. Speaking of Anahana, I want you to rewatch that before the 10 year anniversary uh. this August because they're doing that 10 year spinoff. <laughs> which I believe is going to be a couple episodes or like a short movie or something. So we're going to get more content related to that series. And I know you and I are on completely different ends with that series, but I kind of want to, yeah. I want you to rewatch that before August rolls around. To okay. If, if I'm going to rewatch, uh, Anohana, I want you to watch psychopaths already, or even just watch sort of the stranger. Cause sort of the stranger is okay. just a movie. Okay. And I can tell do, you to watch it for the longest time. I, I can do either of those. If I'm being, cause Anohana is only like 10. Psychopaths is very, it's very dense and it's very serious. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll catch up then in August on those two series. And do <laughs> Let me know. Let me know. Yeah. But um, yeah. I guess in terms of closing thoughts on Bunny Girls, but I really liked it. It sort of it, it did a lot for me that I was not expecting it to do. So I don't know if it was my expectations going into it, but like it really, really worked for me. It's a smart show. It really is. I w- that's that's the thing. I just wasn't expecting that from it. And like when I. I kind of went into it expecting that I could just sort of sit back and chill and watch. And I was like, oh, no, I need to focus. Maybe that was what was a bit jarring to me in those first two episodes. But mm-hmm. like when I really locked into it, I was like, oh, OK, I see what's going on here. And it, it worked really, really well, I think. I'm curious. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at it. I don't know if it's based on a manga or a probably light, a light novel. Probably a light novel by this because the title is extended like in the full like it has that puberty syndrome thing. Like it has like a subtitle, too. So I think it's a light novel like most series. yeah source light novel so i think i've had that trend where i just you know i have to really be attuned to uh mm. uh light novel adaptation because of how right. verbose they are right which makes sense because they're all dialogue based yeah like all writing in the books and whatnot so that makes sense but uh so i mean if that's the case for this one then you probably will like um my teen romantic comedy a lot right right but that's more that's comedy right that's not really drama per se because this is more i think this is more dramatic the series is more dramatic than comedy uh i think the point the main difference between the two is just it's just more focused on the main relationships in in uh, my Mm. routine romantic as opposed to this where it just kind of jumps around between characters okay 
Um, do you know what you're watching next? Um, I don't actually. I have no idea. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. You know, I kind of pride myself in being like a like a know all of like weeb culture and like right. watching like like <laughs> like I've seen Dragon Ball Z in its entirety. I've seen Naruto. Mm. I've seen Bleach. I've seen all the. I've seen One Piece. I'm still watching One Piece. Mm. I want to like you know be the guy who like has seen like all the big ones. Mm. The big kind of missing hole in my uh, experience is Gundam. Okay. Uh, Gundam is like from like 1982, and it's been going on yeah. since then. Yeah. And you know, I found this article on Reddit. To, like, there's like a bunch of like spinoff series, and like there's a main timeline for Gundam. Mm. And I found one, and the one that makes sense. Like everyone's agreeing, like yeah, this is like the definitive you know timeline for watching Gundam, and it's like a 283 episodes, I believe it was. Mm. I might. I was thinking of watching that, but maybe I'll watch something else so we can talk about something else on the podcast. Okay, so Gundam might be good for you to start now because we have that live action version. That's that's why the Hathaway's fl- oh, wait live action. Yeah, um, what's his name? Jordan Vogt Roberts, the guy who did Kong uh, Skull Island. Isn't yeah. he doing live action Gundam? I think we talked about that like two weeks ago or three. Well, weeks ago. the reason this piqued my interest is because there's there's been a, a circulation of this new movie called Hathaway's Flash from, I think from one of the characters from 1990. I believe it was. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing like animation for this movie. It looks better than your name, better than anything Miyazaki has put out. The animation and the colors in this. I'll mm-hmm. put. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the trailer. But the, it looks. It looks insane, man. Okay. Like, it's the same studio, Sunrise Studios, making the Akira animation. Oh, uh, TV show. So, you know, I was like, at this point, you know what? I want to watch this movie. But if I'm gonna watch this movie, I want to know the backstory to it, and that's okay. what it. That's what brought on the Gundam. Interesting. Fever. Well, I'm interested to see next week then if we do talk about that. Um, speaking of like colorful stuff, the thing that I've got next on my docket because. I guess now that I've watched a romance anime that was short that I enjoyed, I've still got that itch now. It didn't really scratch that itch in the way that I wanted it to. So I'm going to move on to, I don't know if you've heard of this one, Sakura so no Petna Kanajo. Have you heard of it? Uh, no. The pet, of, the pet of the girl of Sakura so I think is the English translation, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't, no. Okay, it's about a 24 episode romance anime. It's got that sort of like glossy look and feel to it, but I've heard the story goes well beyond just the look of the anime it's supposed to be a pretty hard-hitting emotional one so Mm. that's that's right up my alley so that's what i'm going to watch next it's only 24 episodes it's not too big of a commitment did you rewatch your your line in april no i I watched the last episode okay Uh, sorry the last three episodes though and my god i mean like that, (laughs) that final episode is just so fucking good i like i mean like from that moment I guess it rings my, you out like a towel. That from that moment where <laughs> where Subaki has her confession um, in uh-huh. the rain uh-huh. through, through the final seconds of the series, like the best, like you know, what hour and a half or so, maybe maybe just over an hour of like some of my favorite hour of anime that I've like ever seen. Like, is is yeah, it really does ring you out that when he's reading the letter <laughs> at the end. I mean, it's just like God, it, it's so good. And the music, I really caught onto the music actually. Um, this time, and I obviously appreciated the music when I first watched it, but this the the final episode has like a, a mix of the instrumentals that we're used to hearing and also mm-hmm. some lyrical music from Japanese artists. And I really mm-hmm. caught on to the way that the music played into the finale and especially like the last five minutes or so. I really, really enjoyed the like acoustic version of that song that played. Um, I don't know. It, 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 it works every time. It works every single time that series. It's just a really good show. Yeah, I will rewatch it, but I, I just watched it, what, like January, February, something like that? Yeah, hey, just, yeah, recently. Pretty, pretty recently. reviewed it on the podcast. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'll probably rewatch it 
some point, maybe by the end of this summer, I might have rewatched it again. But uh, I guess that'll bring us to a close <laughs> for this episode. A little bit of a tangent there at the Welcome end. Welcome to our anime corner, guys. I know, right? That's just, it's going to be that way for the foreseeable future, it feels like. And if I'm being honest, I have no problems with that. But uh, Sam, let people know where they can find you online. You can find me on my Twitter at Sam Zero and on Instagram at Sam Osorio, O-S-O-R-I-O. Find me at Rodsaw236. As always, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Share with your friends and family. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and all the other popular platforms. We'll be back next week, probably talking more anime. So join us. <laughs>